0: I want to talk about position grades with the Indianapolis Colts, given their recent acquisitions. I think it's important immediately pre-draft to grade the positions in order to look at the draft with kind of an unjaundiced eye and see what the Colts actually need. I also want to talk about Indiana basketball. Fans are getting a little bit haughty on social media talking about the rankings of recruits in terms of a comparison between Indiana and Purdue. I got some bad news for Indiana fans. I love Indiana, but there's no way to look at Purdue and Indiana and say, you know what? Indiana's got an advantage over the last eight years. It's just not possible, despite the fact that Indiana, from a ranking perspective, has done much better in recruiting. That's just a fact. We're also going to talk a little bit about the Cubs. Last night, they lost 6-5 and winning time on HBO. I've told you I love that show. It's hilarious, and part of the hilarity is the depiction of, of uh, Jerry West, and Jerry West ain't happy. We'll talk about that, too. This is Breakfast with Kent for Wednesday, April 20th, 2022, brought to you by the great people at Johnson's Plumbing. You got a plumbing problem? They got a plumbing solution. Give them a call, 765-610-8809 is the number. Hit subscribe. Hit like, ring the bell, let's go, let's talk about sports. If you got a question, make a donation. We interrupt the broadcast in order to answer those questions. All right, let's talk about the grades for the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts position groups took a step forward, especially in the defensive backfield last week. As Stephon Gilmore signed, they got Rodney McLeod. Nice signings, really buffeted not just the starters, but the depth. When you get starters like a guy like, uh, uh, you know, Stefan Gilmore, what you also do is you make yourself deeper. That is a problem on the offensive line. We'll talk about the offensive line first. Although it's not as big a problem as you might guess. You've got Matt Pryor. That seems to be seen by fans as a weakness. If you look at the rankings last year, not so much. Quentin Nelson... At left guard, Ryan Kelly at center, Danny Pitter at right guard, and then Braden Smith at right tackle. The starting group, you would almost give an A minus to, except for Pryor. You're not sure whether he can handle the rigors of playing left tackle for 17 games. You're just not sure. You're kind of not sure where Quentin Nelson is in terms of health. That back continues to flare up, Ryan Kelly. Misses games periodically at center because of injuries. Uh, Danny Pitter is young and unproven at right guard. Braden Smith at right tackle is as steady and as the, the tide, right? As predictable as the tides. I give that overall group a B plus, And I think I was a really kind grader in giving them a B plus Because the depth is not there. They got Sean Coleman as a depth piece at tackle. And then at guard, who you got? Will Fries. That's really about it. And if if Matt Pryor can't hack 17 games at left tackle in the way that he, he was a part-time guy last year, he had over 400 snaps last year on the offensive line, 489. And he ranked 25th among uh, tackles in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. That's pretty damn good. That's all right. But you got to be healthy. This line has to be healthy in order to be functional because they do not have depth pieces that will help it overcome a lack of health. I gave it a B plus, but I got to tell you, the more I talk about it, the more it seems like a B or a B minus. A quarterback, I give it a B. Matt Ryan is capable of playing really, really good football. Still capable. 36 years old, I don't care. What, what he brings to the table ages really, really well. He's another version of Phillip Rivers back there. A little bit more fleet of foot, but you have to be. A stronger arm, but you know what? That's a given, too. Uh, I give them a B. Ellinger as as a backup. He's okay. I think he's okay. Other people are going to say he's completely unproven. I say he's okay. Running backs, A+. plus, Best running back group in the NFL. Jonathan Taylor is awesome. Naheem Hines is going to finally flower, I think, with Matt Ryan as the quarterback in the backfield as kind of that widget, that that kind of gadget guy that you can hit all over the place. You can throw it to him in the flat. I think Wentz did a bad job of recognizing the potential of Naheem Hines as a guy who can go get you yards and move the sticks. I just don't think that they used Hines correctly last year, and I think that that. Entire responsibility fell on Carson Wentz because the previous year they used him pretty well. That was Phillip Rivers, and everything else was the same. Uh, Most everything else. Nick Sirianni was the OC, right? Um, Last year, it was Marcus Brady. Wide receivers. This is where kind of the wheels come off the cart. Give him a D. And I think I'm being kind, and the only reason they get a D is he got Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman is really good as a 2 right? Not necessarily a one. As a one, he's like middle of the pack. As a two, he'd be really good. The sad thing is that the Colts don't have a one. They also don't have a three. They may not have a four. You've got Paris Campbell, whose health is always in question. And so behind Michael Pittman Jr. right now, you've got the health-balky Paris Campbell, You've also got Ashton Doolin, Desmond Patman, Michael Strong, Kiki Kute. Okay, which of those guys are you going to count on for a lot of uh, a lot of offensive dynamism in 2022? None. Not going to count on any of them. That's not to say one of them can't flower. That's not to say that Michael Strong may not all of a sudden, wow, look at this guy. He could. Ashton Doolin, a little less likely. Desmond Patman, less likely yet. They got to go get guys in the draft to plug these holes because you got just empty lockers. Which means, on the plus side for Chris Ballard, it's hard to run a foul in drafting wide receivers who are going to elevate the play of that position group because you got empty lockers. Anybody's better than that. You're better than that. I'm better than that. I could come out of retirement, although I never really retired from football. Uh, Tight ends. I give it a C minus. I think that's kind of an incomplete, too. You got Moali Cox, who really kind of got better last year as a blocker, but took a step back as a receiver. Again, I blame Carson Wentz because why not? Kylan Granson, I think, can take a step forward. They like Kylan Granson. Kylan Granson didn't get a great opportunity last year because he had Jack Doyle and Moali Cox. Jack Doyle, really good, now retired. He was a top 15 tight end last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Mo Ali Cox, not bad, but you need somebody to kind of fill up that that group. You need a third kind of leg on that stool, and I'm not sure Farad Green is capable of being that. The defensive line, I like the defensive line. I think that's a really good group. That's a B at minimum. I think I'm a little bit harsh here giving him a B. I think Yannick Ngakwe is going to be dynamic as the Leo in Gus Bradley's system. This is what Yannick Ngakwe does. He follows <laughs> Gus Bradley around because he's a perfect guy for that position, and not everybody utilizes somebody with uh, Ngakwe's toolbox and, and skill set and size in a way that Gus Bradley can. And so Ngakwe kind of comes with Gus Bradley, wherever Gus Bradley goes. He's in Indianapolis, so here comes Yannick Ngakwe. Then you've got uh, Pay, who I think is going to have a really good sophomore year. Uh, DeForest Buckner, one of the best three techniques in football. Not quite Aaron Donald, but still good. And then Grover Stewart. I think Grover Stewart is a good run-stopping tackle. Uh, As depth pieces, Dio Odangbo. I think Odangbo is going to take a step up in class this coming year. Taekwon Lewis, we're hoping for really good health out of. And and then Ben Banigu, really hoping for anything out of Ben Banigu That would be good. But I think that's a B. Linebackers, B+. Darius Leonard, Bobby Okereke, and and then Zaire Franklin to the extent he gets on the field is the Colts playing nickel more often than anything else. Uh, Darius Leonard, one of the best linebackers in football. O'Kara okay. not bad as a middle linebacker. A, a step in the right direction from Walker, right? Franklin, good special teams piece and occasional linebacker. Uh, DBs took a real step up in class last week. You're worried about DBs because you don't know if Julian Blackman is going to be back at full health, right? However, with Rodney McLeod, you know you're going to get quality play out of the safety position along with Kari Willis. At cornerback, Stephon Gilmore, assuming 100% health, Kenny Moore, Pro Bowler in the slot, and Ern Nickel. And uh, you got Isaiah Rogers, who I think is ready to take on a much more important role in that defensive secondary. I really like this secondary unit, so I give them a B, but they could move higher. If Gilmore, at the age of 32, and McLeod, at the age of 32, can squeeze one more year excellence, right? It's all good. All right, True Heart uh, FNYT. I think they should uh, feature Michael Stron more this year. You know what? That it's hard to argue with that because Stron not featured a lot, right? He's got the tools. He's got the speed. He's got the size. He's got the catch radius. Can he get the finer points of being a receiver down? Can Reggie Wayne, as the wide receivers uh, coach, get the best out of Mike Strawn and put him in a position to succeed? There's a reason. Nobody recruited him. He went to Charleston, right? There's a reason. He was drafted in the seventh round. But there's also a reason that the Colts believe in him. Is he going to be able to validate that belief? Thank you for the donation. I appreciate it. Special teams... Uh, B-minus, because nobody knows whether Lego is going to be able to go this year. And if not Lego, is Jake Verity uh, a guy you're going to be able to count on coming off an ACL tear on December 1st as he was on the practice squad for the Ravens? I want to talk about college basketball ratings for a minute. Because Indiana fans were getting haughty yesterday comparing the recruiting success of Indiana against that of Purdue. Here are some facts, all right? Indiana, yes, 11 five-star kids dating back to 2004. DJ White was that first. Then in 07, they get Eric Gordon. And in since then, this year, two of them, right? Two of these guys with uh, Jalen hood shafino and Malik Renault, both coming from Montverde Academy. Nice to get those five-star guys. Purdue ever has had one. One. Caleb Swanigan that's it. The highest rating beyond that, four stars. A lot of four stars. Four of them in 2007, by the way. Four of the best eight recruits in terms of rankings for Purdue came in the 2007 class with uh, Juwan Johnson, the great Juwan Johnson, Etuan Moore, Robbie Hummel, and Scott Martin. However, Purdue, over the last eight seasons... They have won 12 Big Ten games in seven of those eight seasons. They are an aggregate in the Big Ten, 105 and 46. They have advanced to four Sweet 16s, and they have had one coach. Indiana, conversely, despite all those five-star guys, one winning Big Ten season in the last eight, an aggregate, of 73 and 78, which included a 15-3, and by the way, in 2016. So that skewed things a little bit in the positive. No winning records in the Big Ten in the last six seasons, one sweet 16, and three coaches. So let's slow our roll, being an Indiana fan, and, and understand that Indiana is not Purdue's little brother, But they're going to have to go a ways to prove that their recruiting focus that relies so heavily on the rankings of those who maybe aren't in a great position to do the rankings in the first place really isn't so meaningful. Purdue recruits to culture. Indiana has recruited to rankings. How has that worked out? Cubs, 6-5 losers last night to the Rays. At Wrigley Field and Jerry West, very, very upset. Jerry West is depicted hilariously on Winning Time. It's one of the great reasons to watch his show because he is a foul mouthed, ill tempered, crazy man on Winning Time. Jerry West, quite upset. His attorneys have, have informed Adam McKay, who's the executive producer of Winning Time, that they want a retraction and an apology within the next 14 days. I think it's all hilarious. It's good TV. Relax a little bit, Jerry, and let's move on. Hey, birthdays. Uh, Judy Grimes, we missed her birthday yesterday. I apologize for that. Happy birthday to Judy Grimes. I hope she enjoyed her day. David Schuster, the great David Schuster, celebrating a birthday. Greg Doyle, happy birthday. Eric Wilson, Michael Shepard. Trey Womack celebrating a birthday. Big hugs to Trey Womack. Uh, Richard Suja, happy birthday to the great Michael Jensen. Happy birthday. Matt Holly. Happy birthday. Brandon Paquin, happy birthday. The great man Holly. Let's go. If today's your birthday, you celebrate like hell. If it's not your birthday, you celebrate somebody else. That's best done with an honest and specific compliment. Coming up later today, inside Indiana Sports Night, you're not gonna want to miss it, I'm telling you. Look at these people back here. Look at the pictures. What a it, it's like living. In, my house is like living at Sardi's. For God's sake, all the celebrity pictures, it's unbelievable. We'll talk to you a little bit later today, maybe one day I'll. With Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.